proceeding from the great commission given by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, the early church exploded and countless souls were made new by the atoning work of Christ. Dead hearts were made alive and churches sprouted up throughout the world. As a need for clear and concise biblical interpretation arose, the Reformed Confessions of the Faith were written and still have a major impact on the church today. The Confessional Collective desires to see healthy, theologically sound churches planted and on mission for the Kingdom of Christ. Welcome to the Confessional Collective. Welcome to the Confessional Collective, where truth meets mission. My name is Aaron Carr. And I am Chris Santola. And we are happy to be back together this week. I am pumped that my Eagles won the Super Bowl. Yep, as prophesied last episode. That's right. No need to bring out your stones. No stoning. Oh, man. I I am equally happy because, like I said last week, the Detroit Lions got a new head coach. So we're over here drinking the, the Lions Kool-Aid now, thinking that uh, some of that magic from the uh, Patriots will find our, uh, our uh, blue and silver, our Honolulu blue and silver. Um, but you know what? we got to be careful with that Kool-Aid because we've been disappointed before. Mm-hmm. But... What's been going on, Chris? You know, not a whole lot. Uh, just uh, spent a little time in the kitchen cooking up a little uh, pulled tri-tip and uh, some twice-baked potatoes and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I, I like I can I can make my way around the kitchen a little bit, and so uh, had a little fun with that. And uh, that's been about it. Other than that, I've been repairing my daughter's new used vehicle. <laughs> new used vehicle. Mm-hmm. First of all, I, I want to. How long have you been cooking? Let's deal with this first. You know, I've been cooking on and off for years, but I've kind of started taking it up more and more in the last couple of years as something I really enjoy doing. And so I've got a really nice smoker. And so I do a lot of stuff with that. And, uh, you know, my wife loves it because I'm always coming in talking about what I'm going to be whooping up in the kitchen. And she's like, hey, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> so your food channel, are you like are you uh, on a YouTube and all that learning to learn new new uh new skills or is this just something you just try in the kitchen and see how it goes? You know, I tend to look stuff up. I'll find recipes and something will just sort of grab me and I'll say, Hey, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to put a different twist on it. Um, like a while back I was really into jalapeno poppers. And so I was making all kinds of crazy jalapeno poppers like, you know, blueberries and cream, peaches and cream, bacon wrapped, you know, all kinds of different stuff. I think I did one that was like a pineapple, coconut, jalapeno popper, Wow. Uh, yeah, I was getting crazy with it for there for a while. So I'm just always experimenting with different stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you said you uh, have been working on your daughter's new used car. Oh, boy. Um, so <laughs> you, you, you had to go to the side of the road today to bail her out or yeah. what? No, no, not quite. Thankfully, uh, you know, my daughter uh, is 17 and, you know, she got her license and uh, she's been really busy with sc- uh, school and everything. And so I ended up getting her uh, a used vehicle. Got her a, a 2001 Nissan Pathfinder and right. uh, wanted to put something with a little more metal around her. And so uh, she goes out there to start it today and nothing. And so uh, I tried jumping it. I'm like, oh, wait, okay, it's not the battery. So it, it's like a ignition switch. So it's getting repaired today. But uh, so you're, you're like a man of all kind of traits and abilities. I kind of am, man. I've had my time going through the rounds in a lot of different ways. So, uh, yeah, tons of fun. So now I get to pass this on to my children, to the next generation. 
No, I'm uh, speaking of cars. I'm uh, still waiting on my uh, BB Warfield license plate. So the DMV in <laughs> yeah the Man. DMV in Michigan is not very fast. Uh, it's sloth speed, as we uh, have talked about in the past. There is uh, uh, Zootopia imagery there, as you can imagine when you wait in line. And uh, now I'm just waiting in the mail, and I don't think they're in any hurry to get me that license plate. But mm-hmm. I'm chomping at the bit to uh, again wave my Presbyterian flag, let everybody know who I am and what I'm about. <laughs> oh, so man. Yeah, you should try California DMV. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to try anything California. No, that's, no, it's, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it is everything you can imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can only imagine the price you guys pay for uh, all the uh, pollution-free and uh, tags and everything else you got going on. Oh, so. bro, I'll just tell you, uh, you know, I've got a pickup truck. I mean, my registration is like six hundred dollars a year. Wow. And it's nothing wow. crazy or anything. It's super expensive out here. This week I thought we would talk specifically about the importance of biographies, which is a little different for us. We're usually, being a, the confessional collective, we're usually focused on confessions and creeds. And um, I just want to talk a little bit about the importance of biographies in our personal growth. Mm-hmm. So let's define biography first of all. When we talk about biographies, we say an account of someone's life written by someone else. Right. So when we say biography, that's what we mean, an account of someone's life written by someone else. So I guess the first thing I would throw out to you, Chris, is how does a biography helpful in our own spiritual growth? I think they can be helpful in a number of different ways. Uh, You know, as we read the biographies of others and we get to see how God has worked in them and through them, uh, we, we get to a sense of how God is working in the world and through history. Uh, one of the ways that I like to put this is, is that we get to see the, uh, the earthiness of some of our, uh, our spiritual heroes, maybe, and uh, maybe not some of our spiritual heroes, but nonetheless, we get to see the, the reality uh, that they were sinners like us, that they struggled with various things like us. And so it kind of uh, gives an, and I like, I'm careful, I try to be careful in using this term, but an earthiness to our theology, that it takes it from the theoretical and we get to see how it was worked out through somebody's life. Yeah, theology lived out. Uh, I remember being at a conference um, here in Lansing, Michigan, and um, G.I. Packer was there, and I waited in the long line, so I got my 10 seconds with Dr. Uh, uh, John Piper. Did I say G.I. Packer? I think, I think you said Packer, but, but Piper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close, it was close Piper. Enough. So close enough, close <laughs> enough. But it was I was in Lansing, cause, and uh, uh, John Piper was there, and I waited in line. I waited uh, to get my opportunity to speak with him. And uh, when I got my opportunity, I just wanted to thank him for his specific ministry of the way in which he takes biographies. And there was specifically one biography that really impacted me, which was uh, the story of John Patton. And I believe I've talked about it in a, in a previous episode, but I remember it just impacted me as he was describing uh, the hill scene where this father who has been in his prayer closet praying for his son is now sending his son off, um, not knowing that if he'll ever see his son again. And I remember that impacting me, uh, tears streaming down my cheeks. I was like a hot mess. I, I remember it because... First of all, my dad had just passed away, and I had the joy of seeing my own father come to Christ uh, later in life. 
and what a what a what an emotional experience. But then I was also the father of at that time uh, two uh, children. I think we had one on the way, so it'd be another. Uh, our third one was about to be born. But just overwhelmed with the responsibility of the prayer closet as a father, and it was through that biography that I was really captured. And if it, what what John Piper was picking up there, I just I wanted more of it. I found myself driven to read John um, Patton's life, and I have been very blessed. And so I see biographies as playing a very powerful role in my own spiritual um, uh, growth. And I think there's a lot of blessings that come through the use of biographies. But with biographies and that blessing, there's also the possibility of some dangers. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk for a few minutes about what some of those dangers might be as somebody picks up a biography and reads it. I think one of the dangers that you're going to run into with biographies uh, is on the one side, they can be very one-sided. Uh, you're getting somebody's perspective, uh, their opinions uh, as they've looked into this person's life and the, the details and facts concerning them, and they're uh, presenting them in a specific light. And so there is a danger that uh, a biography could be one-sided, perhaps uh, on some really only focusing on all the good things that they see in that person and never addressing their faults and failures. Uh, or maybe on the other side, they want to address nothing but their faults and failures and not really uh, address any of the good things from their life. So uh, so that can be part of it. I think it really just comes down to that biographies are written by other flawed men. Flawed men about other flawed men. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's. I think that's an important point. I remember being in seminary at RTS and uh, Dr. Frank James was teaching a class on history. And he actually spent time in the, in, the, in the class where we walked through various failed men. And that well, goal wasn't to like only talk about them in the negative. There was a, we talked about them in a lot of positive. Uh, we were going through church history. So we're talking about Luther and the Reformation. And he comes to a section. He says, uh, we need to be honest if we're going to talk about Luther. And talk about later in life, his his uh, his relationship with the Jews, and that he was trying to convert uh, the Jewish people there in Germany. And when they didn't receive the gospel, he had kind of a sharp turn mm -hmm. and uh, became uh, um, anti-Semitic in a lot of his writings, and very negative, very discouraging. Uh, I remember when we were dealing with Calvin, and he talks about all the wonderful things Calvin did, and he brought up the fact that. Uh, Calvin's wife died and he was left to raise his stepdaughter and uh, lo and behold she's convicted of adultery mm -hmm. which forces the question what kind of father was Calvin right um, and then you can go on and on with the the long list of individuals like uh, John Wesley and his his marriage or uh, George Whitfield uh, who preached two sermons on his honeymoon uh, rather than spending time with his wife. Uh, examples of failed marriages by men who, are, in all accounts, are godly men who God used greatly. Um, just to name a few of how we need, the, we need to see both sides of, of these men, not only the good, but also the flawed nature. And I think that a good biography is going to do that. It's going to let you see the, the full-orbed perspective. Um, aspect. As you kind of think, Chris, about that for a second and about the importance of that, how does having you see the flawed nature help you in your own spiritual walk? 
oh man, to me, I just find it encouraging. I mean, you know, I look at myself and I recognize my own sinfulness and my own failures and my own shortcomings and weaknesses. And sometimes we can look back at, you know, our, our various kind of spiritual heroes in the faith and just think to ourselves, you know, we, we paint them in this light of perfection and think, you know, I, I'm never going to, to measure up to, you know, who these guys were or what they accomplished. But when you start reading these biographies and you start realizing, no, they were a sinful human being just like me. They struggled just like me. Uh, it is really, really encouraging. I mean, I read about Calvin and his health issues that he struggled with. Uh, I read about Spurgeon and his struggles with depression, um, stuff like that. And you go, wow, these were real people who loved the Lord and served the Lord and were used by the Lord mightily. But they, in fact, were sinful, flawed people just like me. And so in that way, I find uh, that aspect of biographies very refreshing and very encouraging to me in my spiritual life. It's funny, you, you bring up a couple of aspects, depression, uh, physical uh, uh, healthiness for Calvin, because he's burning the candle at both ends, mm -hmm. which really has a lot to speak about. Are we taking care of ourselves physically? Um, going back to the marriage one, you know, are, are we... Are, are we doing things to cultivate our marriage? One of the stories that often gets overlooked is the story of Jonathan Edwards and the beautiful marriage he had. Mm -hmm. it's, it's quoted that he spent something like 10 hours a day in his study, but equally spent 10 hours a day with his wife. <laughs> and he was intentional. They would take walks. They would do devotions together. There was a strong prayer life. And so that encourages you to say, okay, I, I want to learn what I can learn uh, from George Whitfield, and I want to also see the positives and negatives, the struggle he had in his own marriage. His his wife supposedly was still in love with somebody else uh, early in their marriage. It's it's an interesting story. Uh, but then you see somebody on the opposite end of a of an of an Edwards, and you begin to say, okay, I need to be on guard and to see the the real earthiness as you used the the flawed natures of these men allow me to be aware of my own um humanness and my own my own propensity towards sin and i gotta guard and make sure i protect the family i protect my health um i'm making sure that i'm 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 doing the things i need to be doing and so i think there's definitely a blessing to be reading biographies but there's also a uh, a danger if we go into them and all we believe is the rosy uh beautiful uh, happily live ever after approach that often in the written from. Right. And, you know, one of the other things I think is healthy for us when we read biographies uh, is it takes us, it kind of transports us to a different time and a different place where a, a lot of the theology that we as, you know, creedal, confessional, reformed Christians would hold to, uh, it, sometimes it's easy to take that theology and, uh, and not understand the situation uh, in the world, culturally, and everything that it arose from. And so when we read biographies, it gives us a little context to put some of that in. And I think that that's helpful for us, too. Uh, I remember reading about Calvin. Someone said, you know, Calvin's theology was forged in the furnace of martyrdom. 
And isn't that a great line? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but you start realizing, I mean, this was written at a time when what you believed, your, your theology would cost you and maybe your life. And so there was a lot at stake in what was written. And you, you start reading, like, why did he write the Institutes? And things like that. And you go, wow. Uh, I mean, this wasn't just, you know, a little side project. You know, this wasn't like, well, I've got to do this to finish my dissertation. This was <laughs> this was like life and death, you know, people being burned alive for what they believed. And Calvin feeling he had to write in defense of the faith of what these people were dying for. Vastly different than your best life now. Vastly different. <laughs> so yeah, I, I appreciate that, uh, the contextual aspect of it taking us out of our time and place and, uh, and bringing us to a different time and place and helping us to understand what was going on there. No, I appreciate what you're doing there because I think biographies give us an, a window into the, the writings and understanding the time and the struggles that those people went through. And it, and it brings a whole nother dimension out of their writing. As you said, uh, using the example of, of Calvin, he's writing during persecution, not just persecution from uh, the Catholic church outside, but persecution in Geneva. Mm -hmm. and, and you begin to respect his struggle as a pastor. And how do I lead these people faithfully to the word of God and what God requires? And, and it just adds a whole nother level of understanding to how does this really work? Because I think a lot of us, when we go away to school and we learn the truths of the Reformed faith, we come back and we're going to kind of rule with an iron fist. But then you start to see the heart of Calvin. And one of the things I learned as I studied the life of Calvin, Calvin wanted to not only have um, uh, a prayers of, of, of confession in the liturgy, but he wanted to have assurance of pardon. And the people in Geneva wouldn't let him do it because they felt it was too Catholic. And he didn't get his way on everything. And when you start to realize that it, it adds a fuller view of, of an understanding of who this man was and how he was working through the church for ultimately uh, being faithful himself, but, but, but struggling to work through the relationship aspect we're all called to live in. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's one of the amazing parts of it when we read biographies of some of these guys is just to get that background to what was going on and, and to recognize that uh, the, the confessions that we hold to uh, the things we believe didn't just arise out of nowhere. You know, it wasn't like, it's, you know, a few guys just sat down and said, well, hey, you know, how about we just sort of put this down? <laughs> Let's <laughs> yeah. just write this down. I mean, there was a lot going on that led to this. And yeah. uh, I think to be able to appreciate that a little more is a good thing. That these guys are not just in vacuums. They're not writing these great theological exactly. treatises. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in a, in a perspective, you, you start to see how somebody else's story can encourage you. But we also want to make sure we're driving that back to the word of God and making sure that as we're reading these biographies and the things that impacted them, where were they faithful? Where were they not faithful? What things, what warnings do we get from their life and what things do we get that we should be encouraged by to, to follow in? And I, and I think there's a lot of blessing um, that comes through biographies. And that's why we're doing a whole show about biographies mm -hmm. and the importance that it plays in the in the spiritual growth of Christians. 
So I guess it's time to actually get to uh, start discussing some of our favorite biographies, things you've read, things that have impacted you in your journey. We've touched on quite a few different things, but why don't you just pick one of the biographies, it be your, your, your favorite, but just one that really impacted you that you'd like to share a little bit about. You know, there have been a number of them. I mean, I've referenced a few of them in here. I mean, Calvin, Whitfield uh, just were huge blessings. Uh, but there was one that really stood out to me, and it was years ago that I went through it. And it's still so much of it is just kind of ingrained in my memory now. And that was uh, the book A Short Life of Jonathan Edwards. And it's a, it's a pretty massive <laughs> biography. But, I mean, it just deals with the times in pre-colonial America and what was going on and uh, a number of his contemporaries there at that time. Uh, and then talking about Edwards in his childhood and, you know, how he uh, entered Yale at, I think it was 13 years old because he was already fluent in Greek and Latin. And I'm going, what? <laughs> and, uh, you know, just all of the stuff that was happening there in his uh, formative years and then throughout the, his time in ministry and, you know, some of the struggles that he had, um, you know, everybody knows of his famous sermon, you know, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Uh, and even some of the controversy that surrounded that, uh, it's it just, it was an amazing, amazing biography to me. Just, there was so much going on there and I just really appreciated all of that. George Marsden is the writer of that. And, uh, when, when you look at that biography, one of the things that, that really impacted me when I had read that was the story of the, the issue over communion with his grandfather. Mm-hmm. As as he's dealing with his view and understanding of communion versus his grandfather, uh, Solomon Stoddard's view of of it basically being an evangelistic tool and the conflict there that he he wrestles with in that church as he begins to wrestle through his own theology. So that's a story from that book that that, man, I can grab a hold of and go, hey, Jonathan Edwards had to deal with junk in the church he had to wrestle through the church wasn't right where he wanted it to be either and and i'm encouraged as i read that but is there a particular story in in jonathan edwards life that as you read through that that you said hey this just met me where i was at you know i, I there was i don't know if there's one that met me where i was at but i mean pastorally i kind of just would laugh sometimes you know hearing that uh, there that uh the church i think it was in enfield that he would have people like just openly falling asleep, like sprawled out in the pews during his preaching. <laughs> and I'm going, are, are, you, are you kidding me? You know, and it was said he, he would preach very passionately, but with a very even tone, uh, you know, that he wasn't like up there yelling or anything. It was a very kind of monotone sort of uh, a sermon. And I would just hear how people would respond to that and, and the kind of things he dealt with as a pastor. And, uh, and I'm looking at my own church who was, you know, at that time was so attentive and, uh, you know, just such a great group of people. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, you know, <laughs> I deserved Enfield. <laughs> These are the people that Edwards deserved. I mean, it was just I don't know. It just kind of struck me that way. And, uh, you know, God is very gracious, man. God is, is very gracious. He is. <laughs> Oh, I, I just couldn't imagine that. 
But, you know, again, it kind of took me back and put me there and to realize like, wow, here's this guy that we would look up to and admire so much for for his writings and, uh, you know, so much of the, the philosophy that we have gotten from him, uh, the the theological kind of uh, lineage that uh, we've gotten from him. Uh, and yet to recognize that even in his own local congregation that he struggled pastorally. Hmm. Well, that's good. That's good. Personally, I, I kind of jump all over. I, I love to read biographies. I'm, I'm reading one right now by uh, about a missionary named Henry Martin. And it was kind of recommended as I was reading the Princeton Seminary volumes uh, by uh, Calhoun. And he kind of goes through the different Princetonians and talks about the history. And this missionary really impacted uh, Archibald Alexander um, and you can see why as I picked it up and I began to read his just his his fervor. There's a story in uh, in his biography where he is now committed to going on the mission field. And there's this girl that he's he's he he likes because he's he's been kind of questioned. Can you really go to the mission field as a single guy? And shouldn't you have a wife? And he has this girl who's got interest in him. and He's got interest in her. But he finds out the the, the boat is actually leaving sooner than he thought. So this whole day he has planned to spend with her. He can't spend with her because he's got to get on the boat. And he gets on the boat and he tries to convert the people there, but they don't want to have anything to do with what he's saying, you know. And he's just trying to be a faithful missionary even on the trip uh, as he's heading to go serve. And he's realizing even in that boat, God was preparing him for what would eventually be the reception of the people when he got there, that he needed to have thick skin, a soft heart, but thick skin. And he, there's this cute little story that they there's a shipwreck and his ship uh, uh, needs to pull over and they, they stop. And, and when they stop, he, he is uh, basically taken into this uh, Catholic monastery. And while he's there, he's debating everybody, you know, just trying to convert <laughs> them. And eventually he leaves and he's, you know, he's kind of, you chuckle to yourself like the, the monks and the priests must have been glad to see him go. Cause he's, but just the fervor of this man and he dies young. And just really encouraged me like about my missional zeal. Am I really that passionate? And when people reject it, do that, do I view it and take it personally? Or do I realize that God's using it for my good? And what a blessing, um, uh, the story of a, a guy like Henry Martin can be. Um, so I, I just think the beauty and the importance, uh, that, that biographies play in our life is just huge. Um, I guess I would ask you, is there ever been a biography you've read where you've kind of just went, yeah, no thanks? You know, I can't really say that there has been. Um, I guess I've been pretty selective in the ones that I've gone through. Sure, <laughs> so, me too, me you know, too. I think I'm going through them because I know I'm going to enjoy this. So I can't really say there's one I've been through where I was like, eh, not so great. Not so great. Is there a, is there a particular person you look forward to studying, reading about? You know, there's one. Uh, I was given a while back a uh, biography on Bonhoeffer mm. and, uh, you know, huge <laughs> biography. Yeah, yeah. And I just have not had the time to get into it. And so I really would like to get into that one one of these days and uh, make my way through there because some of the quotes that I've seen that have come from it are really, really rich. And so I look forward to that one. Yeah, yeah. Strong, strong understanding of what discipleship looked like and in Bonhoeffer. And that's that's a great biography. 
as I kind of think through my own um, arsenal of biographies, I guess if I had to zero in, um, obviously I'm going to again point everybody to the Princetonians. Let's let's read those guys. B.B. Warfield's <laughs> story of his own wife, you know, who's bedridden. And how he cares for her. The only time he leaves basically her side is to go teach in the classroom. He doesn't travel. So it, it's a very like, wow, somber feeling story. But then you realize what a beautiful thing that he loved his wife so much that he, he would be there through sickness and health. You know, I mean, through it all. And yet what you see in the sovereignty of God is all the writings that we have from Warfield because he was able to be there and be still and read and write mm -hmm. while his wife was in bed. I don't know that he would have been able to write all the things he did had he not um, had that experience. And so that I think that one's kind of impacted me. But if I was to grab one, I'd say I'd have to go to Machen. I just I'm a huge uh, Machen fan and uh, uh, D, uh, 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 I'm trying to spit out here. Uh, uh, D.G. Hart, that's where I'm going, D.G. Hart actually wrote a biography uh, called Defending the Faith. And I thought that uh, biography on Machen was just amazing. Uh, I've read quite a few uh, different um, looks at Machen's life, but, but just his struggle, his, his, his faithfulness to the gospel, the integrity of the gospel, willing to stand in the face of those who would come and press in on and around him, whether it was the seminary of, of Princeton, whether it was the, the presbytery that was pushing him um, regarding his credentials because of his support for the Independent Board of Presbyterian Foreign Missions. It, there's a, there's, a, there's a, a tenacity to a guy like Machen that is willing to start his own uh, mission board, his own uh, seminary, and eventually his own denomination. I mean, you just, you, you gotta, you gotta be encouraged when you read somebody like that and mm -hmm. his faithfulness to the gospel. So that would be a book uh, that I would encourage uh, people to pick up, take up and read, right? Take up and read. So, but um, what, what, uh, what aspect of, of biographies do you find to be the most fascinating? What aspect do I find to be the most fascinating? Um, I think what really tends to draw me in is kind of what we began with, just the whole aspect of being able to see the the individual they're writing about as a real person, somebody who, you know, they lived, they had their struggles, they had their ups and downs and things that they dealt with. And... Uh, I, I love being able to see some of those individuals that we read their writings and, you know, we read their their theological uh, stuff. But to be able to see that person sort of in color rather than black and white, um, rather than trying to understand them through their theological writings, we can actually see some of their theology through the lens of who they were as a person. And, uh, and so I find that fascinating, I think. You're way more spiritual than me. I just like a good story. <laughs> oh, man. Give me a good plot. Oh, I'm man. in, man. I'm in. I'm sold. Give me a good plot. Uh, it's, it's funny as you, as you look through biographies, and obviously we've been talking about Christian biographies, but just biographies in general, whether you're reading you know, uh, about uh, some president or whatever, give me a good plot where I get to see how 
they had a struggle and how they walked through that struggle. Because as I've looked at life, it's full of struggles. And I want to see how people have processed their situations and worked through. And obviously, I believe Christian uh, biographies have the answer. It's going to be Christ. And, the, and, and a good Christian biography is going to push you to Christ. It's going to push you to see his, his, uh, his sovereignty, his hand, his his control of all things, and uh, that you know, as I've already used the example of BB Warfield, that even even in something bad, something good comes out of it mm-hmm. because God uh, God's in control, and, and all things to work do work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. To me, that's what I love about a biography. I, I love to see the story and the plot, and I think that's one of the ways uh, I'm encouraged. That's why I keep going back to them over again and over again. Now that's great stuff, man. Yeah. You know, I, I got to say, as you look at kind of the, the, the opportunity of stuff that's out there, it's, it's, it's sad because in a, in a lot of ways, good biographies aren't, um, aren't, as, aren't as being produced, it appears, as they once were. And there, there, I, I got to be very careful with that because there's good organizations like Banner of Truth that's doing a lot of things and, and Crossway and, and other organizations that are doing that and producing that. But I read some of these old biographies from like 1800s and I'm just so encouraged with the, the time they took to retell somebody's story to really uh, give us a, a full perspective. You know, you go to the old Puritans and, and, and you get the memoirs of, of, of kind of their, their funeral sermon. And you can kind of look through that lens and see the impact they had upon a particular community. And I think today we're, we miss a little of that because um, we're, I, for whatever reason, as much as today we love story, as today we love narrative, uh, it doesn't seem like a whole lot of those are are being produced on a on a on a, on a broad um, scale. What's your thought? Yeah, it doesn't seem to be as popular a thing these days. Perhaps because we're just so consumed with our own story that we're really maybe not as concerned with hearing anyone else's. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I think it would serve our generation well to go back and uh, and to understand a little more of the uh, the the life and situations that those before us found themselves in you know one of the terms i know we've kind of thrown out recently here was chronological snobbery hmm. and i think we can be a little guilty of that sometimes to think well you know there's not a whole lot that these old dead guys can teach us and you know perhaps that may be the reason we don't see biographies being as prolific as they once were. Uh, but obviously we would say that's not true. And uh, for that reason, we really should take the time to uh, invest in reading about some of these individuals from the past. Yeah. One of the reasons I love old dead guys, I say this all the time, is because they're not going to screw up. They already have, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I don't have to worry about hearing that they have an unfaithful marriage or whatever. Um, because the reality is that their life is behind them. And so there's, there's such a beauty to be able to look into the past and grow from those who stood before us. And I think that's one of the things, uh, that really attracts me to history anyway, is the fact that you can look at a whole life and kind of assess it from, uh, outside in and, and hopefully a good biography will give you a good perspective from inside out. Right. And so that kind of helps, helps do that a good biography anyway. And, uh, 
But you're right. I think we're so obsessed with ourselves today and everybody uh, thinks that, you know, my story, everybody needs to know about my story. So here I'm going to put everything I can on Facebook or Twitter or whatever they got now. And and we're missing listening to um, and seeing how God is working in others so that our story, which is still being developed, can can be corrected and encouraged and strengthened. And we're we're not we're too we're too focused on ourselves and i think you've nailed that yeah you know i always tell people i like to learn from the mistakes of others it's much <laughs> much easier than learning from my own mistakes cuz you're going to do that too obviously but man if i can look at where others tripped up and be able to say don't do that <laughs> let's look yeah. at the good they accomplished and say yes let's focus on that but at the same time oh they messed it up here so let's not fall into that pitfall I just think that's wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for sure. And so I think one of the things we're saying is don't be so consumed with yourself. Uh, be consumed in learning, A, obviously about Christ, um, but but also how Christ has worked in the life of those who've gone on before us because it speaks to us as well. And it, and it, and it strengthens us, encourages us, and also warns us as a, something I think we keep repeating through this through this podcast is there's a warning that we can see in the failures of other flawed men where they were not truly depending on Christ. They were not truly living according to the word. And we can be aware of that and see that so we can begin to 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 make the appropriate changes we need to make in 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 living a life of gratitude that we've been that we should be living. Mm hmm. Well said, my friend. Yeah. Overall, if you could have, if you could encourage the people who are listening and say, "Hey, start here." Where would you start them in the sense of, as far as reading biographies? Is there is there somebody you say, "Hey, pick this one up. It's an easy read." Because Marsden is pretty dense. Oh yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know. And you've and you've thrown off Bonhoeffer, and I think that's pretty dense. Yeah, you, you yourself have been intimidated by the size. So, is there somewhere you'd say, "Hey"? Take start here. Yeah. You know, Piper has got a great kind of condensed biography on John Calvin. And obviously we love Calvin. You know, we, we love his, yeah. you know, we, we love reading about Calvin. And this you could probably get through in easily in a day. Uh, I think there's even an audio book of it. It's like an hour and a half. Uh, but it's uh, John Calvin and his passion for the majesty of God, I think it's called. And it it is really really good. It'll give you a, a brief kind of portrait, you know, a look uh, through the keyhole, so to speak, into Calvin's life and times and everything. And I would just start there. And I think that'd be a great place uh, to not only begin and learn a little about Calvin, but even to whet your appetite to uh, hear more about the lives of others. Okay. If I was to throw one out, I think I would throw out George Mueller. The, mm. the man who started the orphanage uh, there in England, and uh, he just felt compel compelled to do this. And he, obviously the story of his, of his life of prayer and uh, the way in which he went about serving the Lord. Um, I think the, it's, a very, it's a very readable, very approachable, very high-impact uh, biography, George Mueller. So we've given him two places to start, and boom. Uh, we want to – yeah, boom, go do it. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, please read. I think that's one thing Chris and I would say to you. Please read. Be a reader. If, if, if you find it difficult to, to sit down with a book in your hand, Audible has uh, done a great advantage to us in the sense of you can 
put your earbuds on and just listen as somebody else tells you the story. Yep. But but please read because as you read, you're going to be encouraged and strengthened. Tola lege, y'all. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> Take care and have a great week. Have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening to the Confessional Collective Podcast. For more information and resources, please visit confessionalcollective.com and be sure to like our Facebook page.